Father God, we thank you that you've gathered us together tonight. And as we meet in your name, we, we pray that you keep our hearts open to you and sensitive to what you're up to, that we might hear you speak to us tonight and you might be free to walk amongst us and change us and minister to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do have a seat. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much. Well, as a as, uh, number of the people in the church building seem to have expanded since I last stood at the front here a few minutes ago, let me again say welcome. It's very lovely to see you, and I'm so glad you're here. And to anyone one watching online, um, stay with us. Uh, don't turn over to the football. And uh, we're glad you're watching. So tonight is family time. I, I think. And what I mean by that is I've come to understand that in the rhythm of a church's life, uh, Sundays are our shop window. Whenever we put together a, a service for Sunday, in the back and the front of my mind is, uh, will this make sense to a stranger? Is what we're saying making it easy for someone who comes in through the doors seeking to know if Jesus will make any difference to their lives? Are we making it easy for them to encounter Jesus? And, and that's really always um, in my mind. It doesn't mean that every sermon on a Sunday, as you hopefully have picked up, doesn't mean every, every sermon every Sunday is an evangelistic sermon, but it, it does mean that we're consciously thinking of the outsider. But every family, and churches are to some extent a family, every family needs family time together. And when you get the family together, you're able to speak from the heart and you're able to um, share more, aren't you? And I think of tonight, our third vision evening, a bit like that. And I'm speaking to you uh, as a St. Michael's family. And I want to really be sharing a bit more of our vision as we look ahead, and I'm really thinking ahead past July and August and into September, and in the hope that both what I have to say is encouraging for us, but also as, as I map out the road that we're going to travel, we will carry it with us in the coming weeks and be praying into it. Now, the last time we had a vision evening was quite some months ago. And you could well be forgiven for needing reminding of what the five key values that I set out for us are. And um, they've been helpfully put onto that overhead that you can see. And I'm just going to say a little bit about each of them again. So that here they are. It, they're taken from Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And we discover that they are to some extent, the pivotal points of the early church. They were determined to let the word grow, the love show, the worship flow, the spirit glow, and the world know. How natty is that? And as some months have gone by since the last time we looked at this, I don't think the need for those five things has got any less. What a surprise. Now, I, didn't, I don't come to church, I don't think you do either, to get depressed. 
and um, I'm going to try not to depress you. Um, but it has become more clear, I would have said to all of us, in the six or so months that have gone by since we last had a vision evening, life hasn't got any easier. Uh, the impact of lockdown, locked in, work from home and all of that hasn't declined or diminished. It, it's, it's only magnified. And as I say, I'm not going to like, luxuriate in how depressing it is. But there is, and we can't ignore it really, a sense of loss, a, a sense that things are changing and not for the better in the world that we all inhabit. And yet there is a sense of opportunity in all of this. And why, what's that? Well, I think everyone's coming to see, however much we wish for it, we can't go back to the world that we left behind before COVID came to us. We can't. No one can. And you can flip that on its head and you can say, well, seeing as we can't go back to the way things were, we have a chance to redesign the template. We have a chance to rethink so what do we want to include in our lives going forward? And what would we be wise not to include? And the question mulling in my mind as your leader is, so how do we shape things at St. Michael's so that going forward, we maximize the chance of delivering on each of these five values? Not just delivering, but experiencing in our own lives. And as I intimated on Sunday, I, I'm very sure that God's plans for his church haven't changed through lockdown. Now, we are still the light of the world. That, that's still what he looks and expects his church worldwide to be. We are still to be a place full of praise. We are still to be a place where people come and we come to be cheered up. We're still to be a place where people come and we come to be loved. But I do want to press home that each of these five values look to me more and more urgent. Perhaps none more so than the very first one, that we let the word of God grow. And I think this is a St. Michael's strong point. You have a, a wonderful history and consistency in letting the word of God speak into your life. And as I've read the newspapers, and you have too, or seen the television, it's so obvious that all around us is every sign of a country that's losing its way. Now, I don't use a compass, but if you use a compass and it loses its ability to track north, it's useless, isn't it? I, I do use GPS. So on my phone, I quite often am using that. And when it loses its internet connection, it's absolutely useless. It's so frustrating. I'm relying on something that's just not happening. Um, we bought a car some time ago in, when it was sort of the beginning, the prototypes of the kind of GPS system that could work. You punch in the postcode of where you were meant to go, but it would crank itself up very, very slowly. And it had a really annoying habit that sometimes when you got onto a roundabout, it would just say calculating route. And you had to go round and round in circles for about kind of seven minutes or so until it calculated the route. 
And that's not a good way of driving your car, and it's not a good way of living your life. You know, if, if, if you kind of hit a decision time or a tense time or a time you need guidance and you just got no idea, so you kind of go into a spin. And I feel mildly uncomfortable using this as an illustration, but it's such an obvious one, I can't really avoid it. You know, the newspapers recently about a certain politician's recent behavior and all the attention was on him breaking down social distancing rules. But the elephant in the room was, well, what about all the lives that have been trashed? In your, your wife's life, your children, and the other families involved. And, and yet, that wasn't really talked about at all. It, and it sort of shrieked at anyone who's got moral values. Hey, where's their moral compass gone? Where's, isn't there a disconnect here? And all around us, all around us, are people just guessing what the direction of her life should be. Um, I don't often quote poetry, but um, there's a lovely poem by Rudyard Kipling called The Walk Through the Woods, and it begins like this. They shut the road through the woods 70 years ago. Weather and rain have undone it again. And now you'd never know there was once a road through the woods. And God speaks into our lives to give us his direction, his way of doing life, which is the best way of doing life. But most people have lost sight of a road through the woods. And many, many people have no idea that God has a good plan or a preferred way of doing life. And here, here's what the Bible reveals to us about this, which is really, truly alarming, is if you and I try and make up, if you try and guess what God would be telling us is his preferred way of doing life, if you and I try and guess, even with the best will in the world, you will get it wrong. Because scripture tells us that God says, my ways are not your ways, and neither are your ways mine. So your best guess is miles short of what God reveals. And that's true for all of us. And actually, if we had long enough, we could, we could meet and have a chat about it. And there would be very many of us who would have a story that goes something like this. When I encountered God, when God revealed himself to me, I suddenly saw there is a direction to go, and it's so different from what I previously thought. Now, that is our responsibility. It's laid on us to make God's way known, isn't it? Isn't that part of what we want to be up to? Because it's good news. It's not kind of leading people off track to a bad future. It's great news. You know, recently we, we had three weeks preaching on the story of the prodigal son. And the young son who tore off into the distance, uh, you know, when life went bad and it crashed, he remembered what went on in his father's house. He said to himself, didn't he, oh, back at my father's house, life's better than this. And, and he made a journey back. But what would have happened if that son had nothing in his memory bank to turn to? Just lost. 
And that is the situation for very many people that we encounter, people you work with, people that you rub shoulders with at the school gates, your friends, my friends. They have, they have nothing in their memory bank to turn to, but God has put it in our hands and made it our responsibility that we should grow in the ways of God ourselves, and later I'll come to it, we should share it with others. But we need teaching. We need encouragement. We need help in this area. So, so we stand for that. I, I think the need's only going up and up. Let the love show. Well, again, it, it's obvious that the pastoral needs of the whole country are magnified. I, I am increasingly convinced that none of us, not one of us, gets out of this COVID period scot-free. We might think we do, but we don't. It's become clear to me, both in my own life and I think everyone I meet around us, that all of us have got vulnerabilities, but we probably have managed to paper over most for most of the time. But it's like having a, a furnace underneath your life and the cracks begin to show and uh, we become more aware. And so there's a sense of isolation and dislocation and frustration and desperation. And what do we need in the middle of that? Well, I think we need help. We need the love of God in that. We need the love of each other in that. Alongside what I've just said it is something rather uncomfortable. I think it means that when we meet one another, we're not meeting one another at our best. Uh, because if what I've said is true, and we've all been tested and we're all finding it difficult times, and we're all somewhat under pressure, we're not at our best. We're not the same as we were two years ago, but we are where we are. And the Lord loves us, and he's giving us a, a community to support one another. And the good news is, isn't it, that we read about Jesus, a bruised reed, he doesn't break. And he is kind and he's compassionate. And this community will have a part to play in helping to put Humpty together again. Now, in the focus of this talk as I go forward, um, nearly everything I've got to say will be focusing on Sundays. But I will just flag in passing that I am really happy and thrilled that we've recently birthed a new ministry here at St. Michael's the Dwelling Place, uh, which Rachel Santi has been heading up. They've only met once so far, but um, good things happened and people were very enthusiastic. Um, I feel slightly marginalized from it because it's actually for women, but we've decided that we celebrate each other's wins, so I celebrate your win, and I'm glad it's happening. And all power to you. And the next meeting will be in September. I think it's telling me the 16th of September. Um, just a flag, you know, this is lovely. This is an opportunity for people to come and to enjoy the presence of the Lord and one another's company. And then the third, the third thing was the worship flow. It's terribly precious to God when any of us decide that we would deliberately make ourselves small and make him great. And that's what worship is. And it's incredibly precious to him when a community does that. And I know that I sat in this church for years as a, a young Christian hearing preacher after preacher 
say that the main thing we came together to do was to worship, and this was the top priority. And I'm afraid it sort of went rather over my head. I accepted it must be true, because so many of them said it without appearing to compare notes together. There was a kind of consistency in what they said. It meant I couldn't gainsay it, but I couldn't really understand it. And I think I do catch it now. I, do, I have got it to this extent. There's a lifelong struggle in each of us which goes like this. Can I really take myself off the throne? And the thing is, the answer is yes, with the Holy Spirit's help and with a lot of determination. And that is what worship is. It's a deliberate choice to say, Jesus, you are Lord. It's a deliberate choice to acknowledge that he is the creator and we're his creatures. And it's incredibly demanding. But together, when we're doing that, something is right. We're seeing the world the right way up when we do that. And it's incredibly important that Jesus should know that is the heartbeat of St. Michael's Tessa Square. You know, in the book of Revelation, in the first few chapters, before it goes all wacky and, and odd and it's very difficult to understand, there are a couple of chapters which are very easy to understand. And there's a picture of lampstands, and each one represents a different church. And Jesus walks through the lampstands. He visits them all. And he gives an analysis of what's going on in each of the seven churches. And I just love to think that whatever happened, if Jesus walked in here any day of the week, he would know and we would be confident that he would receive worship. He would see that it's a priority for us. We are a people that love him and want to obey him. We're a people that's willing to make ourselves small and to magnify him. And that should be possible for each of us. You know, the cosmetic um, label, well, I'm not going to give them a free advert, but they had a strap line that was, because you're worth it. And it's a clever strap line. And our worship, our giving of ourselves to God, expresses to him, or doesn't, whether we think he's worth anything at all. Well, it's part of our priorities that we should discover and release one another to worship him as best we possibly can. And then the spirit glow. Simple point, really, but we can't do any of this just in our own strength. Sort of willpower alone and dedication alone, though both those things are needed, will not be enough. And the scriptures tell us that again and again and again, don't they? Uh, not by power or might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And, and I'm longing for us to grow more and more in this and for it to be more and more obvious that we're a church that believes in the, in the presence of the power of God and makes space for God's power to come and change us. In fact, as we were worshipping, I felt very much prompted that, even though it's not in my notes, that shortly at the end of this little talk, we'll make space to pray for one another. We may not be able to touch one another, but I'm sure that 
I ought to make space and pray for some people. And we'll do that. Because we're not a talk shop. We're here to let God have his way. The strength that comes from speaking in tongues. It, I'm not embarrassed about it. It's God's armory of provision for his people. The strength that comes when the Holy Spirit heals or people prophesy or the gift of helps or generosity or administration or celibacy. And not many people come forward and ask for the gift of martyrdom, but it is there in the book of one of the gifts. The immediacy of the presence of the Lord. I, I think I've probably said before, the most exciting times I've known as a Christian were the times when the river of life flowed most powerfully. And they're the most joyful times. You can't manufacture them. They rely on God's outpouring. But they're special and they're to be welcomed. And the last value here is that the world should know. We exist for the benefit of people who don't yet belong to St. Michael's. We exist for the benefit of our non-members. And that's a real curveball if ever there was one. But it's what Jesus has laid on us. Jesus has said, I will build my church. This is what strengthens me and I want it to strengthen you. Jesus has said, when he looks at St. Michael's, I am going to build my church. We, we are at the heartbeat of the great future that God has for this part of London. And there's a phrase I really don't like, but I've heard it used a lot recently, about the need to have skin in the game. Horrible expression, but it's very graphic. Well, has God got skin in the game of building his church? I'll say, hello. <laughs> God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. That's skin in the game. He died for us. That's skin in the game. And if I want to motivate myself, I remind myself of what I heard someone say once, is that every generation it is just one generation away from illiteracy. You know, someone had to sit you down Though you can't remember it happening, but they had to sit you down and they had to labor over teaching you to read. You, you just weren't born knowing, but you have been so blessed by the fact they did all that. And if you didn't do that for the next generation, you, you know, it's obvious, there'd be illiteracy. It's the same with Christianity. There is no inherited faith for the next generation. Someone has to take the time and trouble to explain to you what it is that you can believe in where salvation is found yes and someone evidently has because you're here and I'm not suggesting it's just words alone that bring people to Christ but it includes words as well as it includes witness so those are our values and all I've been trying to express is they're very contemporary they're still relevant that God has laid them on us. But the big question is, which I want to speak into, so how do we align what we're doing at St. Michael's 
particularly on a Sunday, in such a way as to maximize the chance of experiencing these things and delivering them. Because in many ways, what we've been up to over the last few months is a very poor indicator. In fact, I, I would go as far as to say, I'm pretty sure of this. Over the last few months, even though we've all been doing our best, and actually I think what we've been putting on is a staggering achievement compared to how difficult it is to ride all these lockdown restrictions. What I'm sure of is that when holding services, every single service has been a compromise. No one has had things as they want because it hasn't been possible. So we haven't been allowed to sing for months. We haven't been allowed to mingle as we want for months. For many months there have been no children's groups, etc., etc. But let's look forward and come September, I'm working on the basis that all restrictions are lifted. And so I want to look at the, how do we align ourselves to deliver on these five goals and grow, grow in them by sharing with you what we've discussed in the standing committee and decided there in the PCC together is going to be our direction. And we're going to develop our worship together on Sundays in three different directions. Now, what we're doing has grown out of feedback that we've been receiving over the recent months. And we're going to build on what we do well and we're going to learn from what we do less well. And the biggest change that I've got to share with you is come September we're going to develop two distinct and different morning services. And it's important to say from the word go, both of them are going to be of a high standard. And the same amount of energy, care and professionalism and prayer and dedication is going to go into both of them. That's really important. You know, we're not doing one at the expense of the other, and we're not seeing one as more important than the other. But they are going to be different. And the first service will be at nine o'clock, and this service is going to deliberately cater for those people whose preferred worship style includes hymns, the organ, some Anglican liturgy, some space, some silence, and of course, biblical teaching. Now, why, why do that? Because actually, I, I totally recognize that it's incredibly valid for people to say that they find different worship styles enable them to draw close to God and to express the devotion that's in their hearts. And some worship styles do exactly the opposite. And there's really no right and there's really no wrong, but there's a right for you and a wrong for you. And I, I think it's important to honor these different ways of approaching God. And that it's important no one is marginalized by their preferences or their experience or how they're made. So that's what the first service will be like at nine o'clock. The second service at 11 o'clock will very deliberately cater for those whose preferred worship style is informal. 
And it's going to be a new service outline. It's going to be created, if you like, from a blank template. It's not in any way um, starting from anything that particularly exists. And in it, the objective of that second service is going to be both to reach out to the unchurched, to people who have no idea of what church is, no knowledge of any hymns, no idea of liturgy, but they're seeking after something and they're curious enough to put their head around the door, as it were. And the music will be informal. It will be led by a band singing contemporary songs. It will be what I would call liturgy light. And it will deliberately span the gap, as I said, reaching out to the unchurched and accessible to families. And children's ministry will be held and during that service, 11 o'clock one. Now, why, why develop services in this way? Well, as I've said, to, to make it possible to provide for both tastes better. I have been listening. And as I say, I've heard strong voices in both directions for people who prefer one or the other. And it's just clear to me we need to make room for both. We need to become, if I could put it this way, more of a Velcro church than a Teflon church. I think there are many people who put their heads around the door of St. Michael's once, but they don't want to stay. And I think we can make it easier for families to move on than to stay uh, by listening and adapting our services to more of what they need. But if we bend over too much in that direction, let's say, you know, to characterize it with more drums, etc., it's going to get impossibly difficult uh, for people who find that really hard. And I want to acknowledge it. Just, you know, as I said, we're family. I'm going to speak truth to family. There are a contingent of people who very much belong to St. Michael's who joined this church to get away from informal, to get away from drums, to get away from guitars, so it's not the least bit surprising if they find this kind of thing difficult. And we should honor that, we should recognize it. It's not a problem to me. We just need to set up a forum where they can worship the Lord easily. Now this talk needs a bit of lightening up, so I'll tell you a nice little story. Uh, some years ago, I, I worshiped in a church called St. Barnabas Church in West Kensington. It was a church plant. And in those days, I was about 25. And um, I so remember that we arrived in this church, 100 of us, about age 20 to 27. And the existing congregation included a very, very distinguished man, uh, Brigadier Sir Maurice, Maurice Lush, who had been, get this, Governor General of Tripolitania. Not many of them around. And he used to come to the church, and uh, he was in his 90s, and he used to push his wife along in a wheelchair, and they used to arrive early. And he belonged to the generation that would sort of re rehearse their jokes at home and then say them in public when they were polished. And every um, week he, he would come in and he'd push his wife down the long central aisle. And at the front, the band would be rehearsing. And he'd say in a very loud voice, Diana, prepare yourself for the instruments of torture. 
which uh, I always thought was funny every time he said it. Well, for those who find these instruments of torture, there is now an honorable way out. And then the third development will be the evening service. And uh, this will either be at 5.30 or 6, not quite decided that. And um, we feel that we ought to put on something in the evening. There is a danger, I'm going to just share it with you, there is a danger that we are stretching ourselves quite a lot in doing all these things at once. But the evening service, we feel not to have an evening service would be really just like raising a white flag. We ought to give people the opportunity of coming. And there are people who love to come back to London in the afternoon and to worship in the evening. And we want to develop and build on the kind of service that has already been happening. So I'm imagining that that evening service come September could well start very small, very informal, small little group meeting at the front here and an informal talk just given, some time of worship and waiting on the Lord, that kind of thing, and we'll see what direction it takes. Now, what are the challenges that come with these developments? There are some. I think the biggest, the biggest challenge is simply this, it's change. It, it, it's very difficult for most of us to accommodate change. We, we just really, most of us, are change-averse. And the second thing is a sense of loss. A sense, because there's no change without loss, some things don't happen anymore. And I, I'm imagining the most immediately identifiable sense of loss will be, or could be, a sense of togetherness, of being together, and a fear of growing apart. But as I've reflected on it, prayed about it and thought about it, I think that's a price worth paying in order to grow. So long as we grow apart, meaning both services grow, then we know we're making room for God to be at work. And it has to be faced, this congregation hasn't actually grown in recent years. And I'm not just talking about COVID times, I'm talking about over the years before COVID. And we have to make space and take the right steps to enable the world to know. And I also want to say, in just flagging up recognition of, of this downside to what we're going to do, that just because we are not all meeting together at the same service doesn't mean that we can't create opportunities when we can meet together. And uh, once the COVID restrictions are out the window and we're able to do so, we will be very intentional of making opportunities for us to meet in a way which has no emphasis at all on which congregation you belong to. You know, there's really no reason, and I don't think it's very helpful, for house groups to be stratified according to what service you go to. And this meeting tonight is a good example. Um, vision evenings, what I might in the future call growing together evenings, can be for the whole church community, and we can be glad to see one another, um, irrespective of which particular time service we come to. And I'm hoping in these changes that we will address what currently is really quite a serious and certainly significant gap in our worshiping congregation. And that is the 20s to 30s. 
know, when I stand up here to preach, and it's not just a COVID thing, I, I can see it in the membership list. The 20s to 30s is very, very poorly represented in our midst. And we have to think why. And we have to do something about it. And we have to be incredibly grateful to the few 20s and 30s that have stuck it out at St. Michael's. Quite a few who've made a path to my door to say, you know, Rupert, we are just that far away from going to a more local church. Not because we don't love St. Michael's, but because we're finding it such a difficult place to hang into now that we've got children. Now that this, that, and the other. Well, I'm, I'm grateful that they have stuck it out. And together we're going to see God move in all ages. I don't think God's ages at all, and nor am I. And I am imagining and praying and hoping that if we set our minds to it, the whole family of God can grow together. It's so important for every one of us to realize God's greater purpose, which is these things, than to think about what pleases us individually. If you stopped me and said, and I'm coming to the end now, but if you stopped me and said, Rupert, why are you so confident that these things will lead to God's kingdom coming? I, I would say this to you. God is still in the business of building his church. He will build his church. There's nothing wrong with the message. What Spurgeon called the human magnet, Jesus, who said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw people to myself. That is still true. When we lift him up, he will draw people to himself. He will. He's promised to. It's incredibly counter-cultural, but he will. He, there is a magnetic power to Jesus Christ. And what Paul said to the Romans, didn't he? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's God's power of salvation to those who believe. Now it is, but it has to be accessible and it has to be understandable and we have to share it intentionally. And that's why we're going down this path. And I haven't hidden from you that it's costly. And I'm challenged myself every day about this and I'm challenging you, the family of St. Michael's, are we, are we up for the cost? You know, Jesus says, pick up my cross every day and follow me. And I challenge myself often by reminding myself that when I signed up to be a Christian, I signed up to follow Jesus Christ and obey him. I didn't join a club. And there's a big difference between joining a church and joining a club. You know, when you join a club, well, other members of the club made up the rules to suit the members. And the members obey the rules and they decide who joins and basically, you pay your dues, you arrange things for your own comfort, and I guess in a good year, you just enjoy the club. But it couldn't be less like a church. In a church, we decide to obey God's rules. There is. We can't negotiate. They're not the Ten Suggestions. They're the Ten Commandments. We obey his rules. He decides who joins. And um, they may not be the people that you and I would have picked, but he decides. And we arrange things for other people's comfort, not for our own. And 
God has gifted us at St. Michael's in so many ways. He's gifted us with this amazing uh, building. He's gifted us with this big space. We've got a, a huge inheritance of experience amongst our congregation. There is a tremendous tenacity of prayer, for example. But a good year for us is not how much we enjoy it. It's how much God enjoys it. It's when Jesus can say, see how they love one another. See how many more people have come to know me because of them. See how their love for me has grown. See how they laid down their lives for me. And the core of this church, like the core of any other church, will be self-selecting. You can be part of a core. I can be part of a core. I suggest actually the fact you're here suggests you are part of a core. But literally anyone can be absolutely mainstream and central to the church. It's those who basically buy into this and live life like this. But as God works, anyone can also be part of a fringe. And actually anyone can decide they don't want to be part of a church like this. There's a prayer that I want to encourage you to pray and I want you to encourage me to pray. And it goes something like this. This is your church, Lord, not our church. And not that you need it, but you have my permission to do whatever you want, whenever you want, to whoever you want, in any way you want, to your glory, so that the world might know you're the light of the world and follow you. that sound something you'd sign up for? I think that's what Jesus is asking us to sign up for. And when we do that, when we pray into that, when we yield to that, I'm absolutely sure we will see God move. I feel tingly all over in anticipation. I'm going to say a little prayer about that, and then I want to have a, a little time of prayer and ministry, and I'll tell you what we'll do um, as we get to it. But let, let me just pray over what I've said and thank you for listening so intentively attentively Lord Jesus we do belong to you and this is your church and we are so grateful that you've had compassion and mercy upon us and opened our eyes to see you as you are that you've come to give us direction and turned our lives around and thank you that all the things we've been talking about are achievable under your hand, that you give them to us. You've given us your word and told us to read it and you've told us you'll bring it to life. You've poured out your love in our hearts. You've told us we're to be a community of compassion and love. That you're showing us time and again that to worship you in spirit and in truth is what we've made and designed for even if it's a lifelong project to achieve. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to help us. And thank you that this is good news for the world, that we simply can't sit on it and not share it. And Lord, these have been hard months and difficult times. But we come running to you and say, Lord, you have a blessing for the world through your church. And we want to be part of that. And we want to say yes to whatever it takes to being wide open to you and seeing you use this place 
for your glory. So we pray for each other. We want to pray for strength and resolve. We want to pray for healing of bits where we feel dented and bruised and vulnerable. And we want to pray, Lord, that we be teachable by you, that we might go forward together in this adventure that you lead us on. And we put before you these plans for these three different services on a Sunday and say, Lord, please help us identify which of the services we should come to, one, two, or three. And help us, Lord, too, to pray for the ones we don't come to, that the whole of your family will be united. We pray success and favour over each of the services in the sense that they will accomplish your purposes. And we pray for the freedom to trust you, to, as it were, voluntarily walk out of our depth and give you space to show that it is by your spirit and not by just human effort that your kingdom comes. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.